Outsiders. Tuesday, August 15th, we've got another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast here for you. We're going to continue our division deep dive series. Today, the AFC South. I'm celebrating behind me the jersey of my favorite Colt all-time, T.Y. Hilton. I wish he was still with us, but uh, this is a division that we're coming from, you know, the Wait. NFC South. Wait, Ryan, you're acting like he's dead. I he mean... He was still with us, R.I.P., I mean, he was in Dallas last year. He's alive and well. That might as well be a death sentence when I'm surrounded by Giants fans. You guys got Paris Campbell, though. Another wide receiver moves on. Bobby We're going to talk our biggest biggest takeaways from preseason week one. I forget what game I even had on, but Philip Dorsett's still hanging around somewhere out there. Uh, so it's always nice to see our draft failures flourishing elsewhere. But, yeah, we're going to talk preseason takeaways, AFC South, some news to go over regarding a couple of former Pro Bowl running backs. But first, just a reminder, if you like the show, show your support. If you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Follow us on Twitter or X at OutsiderSports3 so you can get notified of all of our latest content coming out. And speaking of content coming out, Ben here, you got something to share with the group. Yeah, everyone, rocking the devil's hat, red shirt, hockey is coming back. The hockey pod starting back out in September, so make sure you guys are tuning in. Make sure you guys are following us on X. That's where we'll tweet out all the shows and all the articles. So make sure you're following us and keeping up with all the content we're putting out. Yep. Stay locked in with us there. Uh, Corey's running a great baseball podcast for us as well as the MLB MLB season continues. But guys, preseason week one is in the books. And just a quick question of the day here today. What was your biggest takeaway from I mean, not real football, but as close as we're going to get to for a few more weeks yet. Well, for me, kickers still don't get any love. Look at the New Orleans Saints kicker. I mean, this kid goes out. Blake Group kicks a 31-yard field goal, beats the Chiefs 26-24, and then security mistakes him for a fan? Are you kidding me? This guy just won the game, and this guy still isn't recognized by security. Kickers, we need to do you more justice. You've got an important role. Ask the Cowboys how quickly a kicker can derail a season. Show some love to your kickers, everybody. Kickers are people too, Ben. <laughs> but you know who? What, what shouldn't count as people? People who think that when you throw a screen and get all those yak yards – that those actually count as passing yards. Looking at the Justin Fields supporters, because Fields proved, even in the preseason, he can't throw all those passing yards from balls barely thrown past a line of scrimmage and even before just racking up them yak. Those should not go towards a quarterback stat. I'm sorry. As much as quarterbacks benefit from it and they kind of pump up those yards, when you're throwing the ball within three yards of the line of scrimmage, those are basically run plays. I mean, come on. Sack up a little bit, be a man, and throw the ball if you want to be a passer. If you don't, that's great. That's fine. All the power to you. But don't pretend that you're actually a throwing quarterback and you're not just a glorified – I don't want to see even say running back because, you know, he is very good at those dump-off and screens, right? So you got to give him some credit there. But Fields still can't throw. He's proving it now. Garbage. Not a good quarterback but he's going to build up a lot of passing yard based off of screens. And we need to look at it for what it is. And that's not passing yards. 
I'm going to defend Justin Fields here for a second, Corey, because here's the thing. It's not his fault if they're taking away the deep ball or look, here's the, here's the thing. If the guy in the flats open, the reason for that is either they're blitzing and there's pressure or they're dropping eight guys back. Of course, situationally, it makes sense. But when, you know, you're throwing for 200 yards and 180 of them comes off the screen passes. That's not situational. That's not, game that's not his fault. It's the preseason. He's not going to – it's a vanilla script. They don't have good plays. Typically, younger quarterbacks do not fare well in the preseason for this reason. You're not scripting to win a preseason game. There's no coaching involved whatsoever. It's don't vanilla offense versus that. vanilla defense. You know, but this that was my biggest takeaway from preseason week one, and I'm going to stand by it. <laughs> you play games to win and you play quarterback to throw the damn ball. Look, Chicago Bears fans, I've got your back. We've, we've got you. Corey is doubling down on the the. Some might say I'm bearing down on this point, Ryan. Bearing I, down. Oh, I should kick you off the show for that. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I'm starting to wonder, actually, if the hatred for Justin Fields, wasn't it the Bears that traded down? Or traded up with the Giants to take him. That let's get to, that tinfoil hat off. There, there's no, there's no Kadarius Tony tinfoil hat. Thing I wonder how on. deep this goes. All right, but Corey's talking about Ben wants to show some love. My biggest takeaway was the love up in the north. Jordan Love. He looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. I, I don't want to overreact to preseason, but he showed pretty good command of that offense. Moved the ball well. I'm excited still for what Green Bay uh, can put on tape this year i think they could still win and compete for one of those wild card spots like they did last year like i've said on one of the other shows obviously it's crazy to think they went from brett Favre to aaron Rodgers, and can jordan love continue this streak of great quarterback play and and jordan love season two on quarterback for netflix tell me that wouldn't be a great storyline Favre, Rodgers, love i thought that was official i thought that would be amazing I just that, saw someone else decline to be on. I forget who. Well, did you guys see uh, the rumor of somebody who might actually be on it? Maybe that's what I saw. They, they caught a, a they caught a quarterback, you know, giving a tell almost. This guy was caught lying once about knowing a draft pick, and he did the same tell when saying he declined being on quarterback season two. Daniel Jones. He was on the uh, a morning show, the New York sports media, you know, WFAN, Boomer, and Geo, and they asked him if he was going to be on quarterback, and he got all flustered and kind of started stumbling, and he's not an eloquently spoken man to begin with, right? He's a little awkward, mild-mannered, quiet guy. Eli Manning asked, a little less personality. But they asked him about it, and you kind of tell he got really uncomfortable, and he looked and acted the same way when he was on a 2020 draft show when the Giants had their first round pick in and they asked him, you know, Hey, Daniel, do you know who's going to be the pick? And he started, he got all flustered and he was like, no, 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 I got no idea. Then they picked Andrew Thomas. Then a few minutes later, he's like, yeah, guys, I actually knew who they picked. They told me, you know, 10 minutes ago, but he acted the same way, got caught flustered. They're saying he's uh he's got to tell. So, you know, it's not guaranteed. It's not confirmed, but, he may have lied his way into being on uh, quarterback season two. 
So New York media having a field day then. If Daniel Jones on quarterback season two, and obviously the Jets on hard knocks right now. Speaking of those Jets, they made a big sign. We're going to talk a couple former NFC Pro Bowl running backs signed earlier this week with AFC East teams. Dalvin Cook, like Dylan said uh, a week or two ago, he does end up with the Jets. It's a one-year deal. He's going to get to play along with Brees Hall in that backfield, Aaron Rodgers. Cook now one of a dozen new additions to this Jets offense looking to take flight in 2023. And up in New England and Foxborough, feed Zeke. Yep. Turn that up. Zeke and don't forget Juju Smith-Schuster. So a couple like big personalities from recent years now playing for the biggest personality, Bill Belichick. So, I mean, are these, are these, you know, needle movers in your guys' (laughs) opinions? uh, Is anyone a needle mover at this point for New England? If anybody comes in there, do they really have that much of an impact? It's like it doesn't matter who comes in and who leaves. I mean, unless Tom Brady comes back under center, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in New England, uh, there's not much they can add, especially at this point, to really help them. Zeke's playing for goal line carries at this point. He's not going to really cut into Ramondre Stevenson at all. So in fantasy, don't be scared of Ramondre. He's still going to get 200-plus touches. Don't worry. Zeke's just going to maybe vulture a few goal lines, but nothing like Jamal Williams last year, right? And then Dalvin Cook, he's going to be RB2 by, you know, mid-October. We saw, we don't know if he's running out of gas, but Brees Hall's the future, and they're going to get him as many touches as possible, especially if they're going to try to build him back up. He might not be as explosive this year as he was last year because usually – It takes a season to fully get back there, but it also takes a season of actual usage to get that explosiveness back, right? So he's going to need to be used a lot. So Cook's going to be great early. He's going to be a great mentor for Brees Hall and spell him a lot. But you got to also kind of get worried. Are there too many mouths to feed in the Jets? There's a lot of really good players. Everybody's going to want their share. As much as you want to believe it, guys aren't selfish, selfless. They're selfish. They want what's theirs. They want to get the ball. So that could be an issue where they just have too many guys that really want to get fed. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, definitely for fantasy purposes, that makes sense. You know, who do you invest in on that offense? Really, I mean, outside Aaron Ron or Garrett Wilson, is Aaron Rodgers like kind of like you said, a point guard almost that that's the way you want to have it because he'll have a hand in everything and. I think, yeah, Brees Hall, they're going to work him in a little bit. It, the Dalvin Cook signing, I think, biggest thing is insurance. Um, they weren't. Does Nathaniel Hackett much. just tank this whole thing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he does. I think he fits in that category of he's a, a good offensive coordinator, like a good coordinator, not a good head coach. I will Did say. Did Sean Payton get in his head, though? Yeah. I, I think the <laughs> Sean Payton stuff is. is if I'm Hackett definitely I'm on this. the Jets side with that. I, I hope if Hackett tanks the season though, we might never see Rodgers emerge from that underground like shelter again because <laughs> the darkness he retreat. <laughs> he may stay forever in the darkness if Hackett ruins his form after talking up Hackett, such a good coach, coordinator, great offensive mind, a really cool guy, and just ruins his form. You'll never see or hear from Rodgers again. Well, we'll see. We're talking AFC East later next week. Uh, so we'll dive a little deeper into what the Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott signings could be, what they could mean for those teams, and how that division, kind of the hierarchy. That's a weird one. That's an interesting one. Can't wait for that. But 
we do have to get to the painstaking task of talking about the AFC South. Obviously, my <laughs> favorite team is there, but that doesn't mean it's pretty. Uh, the Jaguars last year, uh, they got hot at the right time. They finished only 9-8, and eight, which, I mean, that's better than the NFC South. At least they had a winning record going into the playoffs. But, I mean, Doug Peterson turned this team around from the unmitigated disaster that was Urban Meyer the year prior. Trevor Lawrence actually looked like a first-round draft pick at quarterback last year uh, at different points in time. So is the third year, third time's a charm for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, for Jacksonville, they need to just build off the strong finish. Obviously, they had the historic comeback against the Chargers. Then they gave Kansas City all they can handle in the divisional round. But is this going to be the same old Jags? Every couple years, the Jaguars have a good year. They win a playoff game. And then there's kind of real expectations placed on them from us outside. And then they just completely fall apart. Or is this time, is it is it going to be different this time for the Jaguars? I think it's going to be different this time. And the reason is Doug Peterson. This is a guy who knows how to win and he knows how to get back there. It's not like he just got to the Super Bowl and didn't win again after in Philadelphia. He primed that team to win and continue winning. It's not his fault that Carson Wentz got benched. It's not his fault that Carson Wentz just you know, got in his own head about Jalen Hurts. You know, it's not Doug Peterson's fault about any of that. He very well could be leading the Eagles to what they are right now. It didn't have to be Nick Sirianni. They didn't need to make that change. That change happened after Doug Peterson was forced to bench Jalen Hurts at the last game of the season and lose a game to keep the Giants from making the playoffs. He didn't agree with the decision, and he left the organization at that point. Now, I I think that Doug Peterson's a great, great coach, and that's where it starts, and that's where you saw the turnaround. It's not like there were a lot of different faces. It's not like Evan Ingram made that big of an impact on Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, there, yeah, there were some new faces here and there. Yeah, ETN coming in helps uh, with Trevor Lawrence's confidence, but – at the same time, he took steps under Doug Peterson. Nick Foles has only been successful under Doug Peterson for a reason. This is a guy who knows how to work with quarterbacks. This is a great, great head coach in a good organization right now with a very strong roster. I don't think that they got worse. I think they got better coming into this year, and I definitely think the Jaguars are the heavy favorites to win this division. They by far are the heavy favorites. You know, you saw last year, they got better as the season went along. They're buying more into Doug Peterson's whole shtick. Trevor Lawrence played well. He looked good. He looked like what everybody thought he was coming out of college, that generational quarterback. They have a defense, right? They got a lot of good guys. Javon Walker, the first-round pick last year, you know, he's another year in. Got to take a jump. He didn't have that great of a year last year. A little underwhelming for the first overall pick. Didn't dominate like people thought he would, but he's going to get there. They have a lot of good players, good foundation. They're going to get it done. They have a really good coach. The issue is, though, are they going to be able to get past some of the other you know, first-place teams that they're going to have to play? They have a harder schedule. They played a fourth-place team schedule last year. Now they're playing a first-place team. So that means playing like the Bills and the Chiefs, you know, when they're not instead of playing like, you know, the Patriots or Dolphins or like the Raiders, 
So those are extra couple of games that could really swing and sway their their season where another team lower on might have better luck. Now you brought up, you know, are these going to be the same old Jags? And that really depends. Is Trevor Lawrence Blake Bortles? No, he's not. So the Blake Bortles was good that one year in 2018 when it was Tom Brady, Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, and Nick Foles in the championship games. You know, one of them don't belong. It's just Lawrence is for real. And if Lawrence is for real, the Jags are going to be for real. And I think it goes down to being as simple as that. Yeah, we talked last week, uh, NFC South. What do you have a head coach? What do you have a quarterback? This is, I think, easily best head coach and best quarterback in this division. One of the better combos in the entire NFL. And one thing I'm really looking forward to, especially for fantasy purposes, Calvin Ridley. I mean, you see guys, you know, Christian Kirk, other receivers running routes, and they look good. They look crisp. Then you see Calvin Ridley run the same route, and he makes the other guy just look so slow. Like, he's missed a lot of time. But I think Calvin Ridley is going to be he's going to be the the catalyst of taking this offense, I think, to the next level. He bet on himself and he's going to succeed. There you go. The headlines write themselves sometimes over to Tennessee. Now, Uh, I forgot to mention Jacksonville. Their projected win total nine and a half. I think over over. I got them at like 11. Yeah, I think we're pretty similar thinking there. Tennessee, 7-10 and 10 last year. Jacksonville, they got hot at the right time. Tennessee got cold at the wrong time. A huge downward spiral to finish the year. Uh, their projected win total, 7.5. I don't know if they get there because you have a lot of concerns. I mean, this is one of the worst offensive lines in football for a team that wants to run the ball. Derrick Henry has a lot of mileage on those tires now. So, I mean, he is a freak of nature, but... You have to wonder, running backs getting older, is the fall off upon us? And this might be the worst quarterback room in the league. We talk about what do you have a head coach and quarterback. I I don't think any of these options are good. Now that the coach is good, the scheme is good. But I what think do you think of uh, Will Levis? Um, you know, I just it's funny you asked me that. I'm looking over at my trash can right now. <laughs> uh, you could ask me Malik Willis and my – I'm still staring at my trash can. You can ask me Ryan Tannehill and I look over at the floor next to my trash can. So I, I, it's the scheme. I mean, you want to talk about system quarterback. So you're saying you put the trash on top of the floor when it's Ryan Tannehill. Cause he just misses everything. <laughs> so regardless, uh, listen, Oof. a little bias coming out there. I obviously. was going to say, we got the Colts fan dishing it all out. Look at the end of the day. Ryan Tannehill did get to an AFC championship game. I am going to give him credit for that. He's played well in this system when he's had a good receiver. In steps DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, absolutely stupid. You get rid of A.J. Brown because you don't want to pay him. Then you go pay DeAndre Hopkins, who's older, not as good. Whatever. They still went. They fixed a mistake. Did they necessarily get better from when they had Brown to when they have Hopkins? Not necessarily. But they will be better this year. Hopkins is still a very talented guy. If he goes out there and is able to stay healthy and play a full season, he's going to get 100 catches. He's going to hit 1,000 yards. This is a guy who has great hands, 
great route running ability. And at the end of the day, when he wants to be, he is one of the best in the game. And I think that Ryan Tannehill, he'll have some weapons. That'll open things up for Derrick Henry. That'll keep them from putting eight guys in the box. So maybe we do see a resurgence from him. And yeah, those old tires, they still got some tread on them. But I, I'm not ready to just completely close the door on the Tennessee Titans just yet. Mike Vrabel is a great head coach who knows how to get his guys going. They love to play for him. And who knows, maybe you get some surprises on the offensive line. There are a lot of times you see a bad offensive line that's young coming into the year. Turn out to be a great one. Yeah, I'm not ready to write off the Titans. Ben, you said it. Vrabel is a very good head coach. You know, he, he may struggle last year, but getting to where the Titans were to, you know, where they were a few years ago, you know, under Vrabel, where he said he'd cut something off just to make it to the Super Bowl. That's somebody you guys want to guys really want to play for and fight. He still got that going on. It's just a matter of they've got the head coach. They just don't have the quarterback. I don't trust the three guys that they have in that quarterback room. I don't think I ever will, but if they can be serviceable and do just enough, Ryan Tannehill was always a game manager in Tennessee. And Ben, you said, you know, he still made it to an AFC title game to give him credit. Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl. I mean, you can't really give that as full credit to a quarterback unless they do something spectacular in that run and kind of lead the team. Ryan Tannehill didn't really do much. He handed the ball off to Derrick Henry and he tried not to make as many mistakes as possible. Last year, it's, the tone kind of got unraveled when the Giants beat them to start off the season. Going for two, Randy Bullock missed that field goal to end the game. That kind of threw their season off and sent them in a spiral. The Titans, they win that game. They probably regain and keep their confidence and roll to another division win. And we're not talking about them like we are now. But, you know, ifs and what's, right? So the Titans, where they stand now, I think they repeat last year. Seven and ten sounds right to me. They're going to be a decent team, steal some games, be competitive. Their defense is still right there. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is alive. He's still the dude there. It's going to be it's going to be tough for them, but they're still capable of maybe making it a run for a wild card spot. Look, I think I'm not sitting here saying that this is a team that's going to be a playoff team. I agree. I think they're right around 500. Um, you know, they're more like eight and nine. But, uh, you know, I still think that they're going to win four games in this division, right? I, I don't see the Colts beating them twice. Right, I don't, I I don't see them losing to the Colts. You know, the Texans, they're not going to lose to them. So, it's not like there are games to not be had. All you have to do is steal four games from that point and you get to eight wins. I think this Tennessee team is more than capable of doing that, especially with Vrabel as their head coach. I don't really see them being a team that wins less than five games in a season. Sorry, Ryan. I mean, we'll, we'll get to how the division shakes out at the end, but I'll give Jeffrey Simmons his process. I mean, that dude is legit. He's one of the best uh, interior defensive linemen in the league, but I mean, they were the one seed a couple years ago and they lost that game handedly to Cincinnati. And then like the unraveling of last year, like Corey said, that momentum, it kicked off week one, looked better, ended as bad as you can get. So you wonder where that confidence is coming into this season. The Colts. And guys, 
Don't hold back. Four, 12, and one last year. Matt Ryan was not the answer. Nick Foles was not the answer. <laughs> Frank Reich fired during the season. Jeff Saturday is hired, and somehow we beat the Raiders at that point. Almost knocked the Eagles off the week after that, and then horrible losses the rest of the way. The biggest thing, and I learned this in November of last year, is just to embrace the rebuild. And that finally got started with the Anthony Richardson selection at fourth overall. I damn near lost my voice when we took him over Will Levis. Super excited about the potential. He looked okay in preseason week one. Obviously, the interception was rough, but it was the way he bounced back from that. Alec Pierce dropped a nice ball um, that he really should have caught. That was a struggle for Pierce last year. But six and a half is the win total for Indianapolis this year. And if it's one thing I've learned about the Colts is the years they're supposed to do good, they suck. The years they're supposed to suck, they do a little better than you might think. I mean, last year, this team beat the Chiefs. This is something I always see. It's like the good teams we play good against, <laughs> the bad teams we just play awful against. Um, obviously, there's the Jonathan Taylor situation. We haven't talked about that extensively for the sake of my mental health, but the running back market not doing so hot. Taylor going into the final year of his rookie deal. You know, he was kind of thrown into a situation where I thought he's going to play behind Marlon Mack back in 2020. Uh, Mack tears his Achilles, which he unfortunately had suffered another uh, season-ending injury. I believe it was in Arizona, but Taylor does pretty good his rookie year, has a phenomenal 2021 season, deals with injuries last year. He's looking for a new contract because that's the lifespan of running backs. And there's Did Quinn Nelson get locked up long-term? Quentin Nelson did. And he, and I mean, that's part of it. This offensive line was highly regarded a few years ago and didn't deliver last year. Like many players on this roster, we did have one top 100 player, DeForest Buckner, who's been one of my favorites. Uh, and Shaquille Leonard is supposed to be back this year as well. Healthy finally. But I mean, with a rookie quarterback starting, we got the news earlier today on Tuesday. Richardson named the day one starter for our week one matchup against Jacksonville. The biggest thing is it's going to be rough. So like I said, we got to just embrace the rebuild. I'm not expecting a phenomenal season, no playoffs, but what do you guys make of Indianapolis this year? Look, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and steal games. I think the highest they can go is maybe nine wins i don't see them winning a bunch of games i don't really see them having a ton of success but it wouldn't surprise me if richardson goes out there and absolutely shows everyone that hey the hype was real i can play now in all fairness Nothing against the group that they have brought in there in Indianapolis. I would have much rather seen a guy like Richardson grow under Frank Reich, but we'll take what we can get. I I mean, this is a very, very strong offensive coaching staff. They went out, they got the quarterback. I think that was important. Like you said, Ryan, they're embracing the rebuild. I don't think it's going to be, necessarily as brutal as you think i think you're going to see a lot more close games i think you're going to see a lot more fight and that's what's going to be promising as a fan and who knows Corey and i did not see the giants as a playoff team going into the season last year all of a sudden we're, we're leaving the week two game saying holy cow we're two and oh and we're playing the dakless cowboys 
granted they lost that game still, but you know, but hey, agreed. But the way the Giants started last year, who knows? Anything can happen for the Colts, and the Giants were not expected to be a playoff team by any shot. Everyone had them as a four or five win team. Yeah, but a big part of that was coaching. Dayball was the dude. Well, Dayball was the dude. Daniel Jones actually played like a quarterback, and Saquon Barkley returned to form. Really, the three things that they needed to have happen, happened. But for the Colts, I think – their biggest regret is going to be letting Wright go. Right, I, Ryan, you can agree or disagree with me. Kind of interested in your thoughts, too. Frank Reich is a good head coach. I think he would have been perfect to lead this culture rebuild. Yeah, I mean, I said it, too, last week. I, I, something just got stale. I think we we needed a scapegoat. You know, we fired our offensive coordinator, benched Matt Ryan. Things were still bad. So Frank Reich was next, but he's a big reason why I'm so high on Carolina this year and picked them to win the NFC Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. He's a really good coach. I'm not a big fan of Steichen. I don't really like how he's handling the whole Jonathan Taylor stuff. Ursay needs to kind of shut up. He's becoming the new Dan Snyder. I won't go that far, but he's a character. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I think the Colts, they have their quarterback in place. I spoke about it before the draft. I've been high on GVO since before last football season, thinking he could be a first-round pick. By the way, GVO, Gainesville's very own, his rap name. Ryan, I'm sorry that your quarterback's a rapper. He could do it all. They can never can. Name one successful NFL player that's also a rapper. I was just going to say Damian Lillard. Dame Dalla. NFL player coming to South Beach soon. I keep telling myself, <laughs> no NFL player has been a successful rapper and football player at the Greg same Greg Olson. Time. All right, Greg the leg doesn't count. That's that's a man. That man's Greg, Greg no Sherlock. Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Seventh you don't floor know about crew. the seventh uh, the seventh floor crew. Seventh floor crew. Uh, that's not something we can really talk about, though. We're not going to talk about the seventh own. floor crew. But look, Greg look that Olson. up on your own. Yeah, you know, Ben got me there, but you know that was before he was in the NFL. He was a college player. Still but the playing, Colts, playing. <laughs> still playing. But the, the the Colts have a lot of stuff to get through. A lot of distractions right now. The old line took a step back. Quentin Nelson, the All Pro guard, did take a step back. They're also dealing with a few players suspended for the year and parts of the year for gambling. That stuff really takes a toll in the locker room, and I think that kind of sets the Colts back a year in their rebuild because these guys can't be with the team. So the year the rebuild might take a year longer, but the Colts are going to be competitive. They were competitive last year against a lot of good teams. So I think you're going to build on that with some of the same players, but there's going to be growing pains with a, you know, a very mobile quarterback and learning how to protect him. And he's going to have to learn, you know, NFL defenses are much quicker and adept at stopping a running quarterback than a lot of college defenses. And he may have a rifle for an arm, but he's going to have to be a lot more poised in the pocket than gunslinging because he's going to need to do that to, you know, have a long career. We saw RG3 basically lose his career for running too much. And Anthony Richardson, you know, he's going to have to learn that because a lot of these young quarterbacks, they don't really learn that. And it really does hurt their development. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. The biggest thing, I think the best thing for Anthony Richardson just is to get those reps in with the ones, and whatever happens, happens. Um, I will say I do like the Steichen hire only because 
He really aided the development of Jalen Hurts last year. He worked with Justin Herbert prior to that. Some of our other assistant coaches work with guys like Kyler Murray and Cam Newton. So this style of quarterback that is Anthony Richardson, not new. You know, these guys have worked with that style before. But on to the Texans. 3-13-1 last year. Their win total also sits at 6.5. And, And I mean, this is another team. Embrace the rebuild. New coach, new quarterback. They were aggressive yet smart, I think. They obviously they took CJ Stroud at two, then they traded back up to three and took Will Anderson. I mean, these are two, I think, very safe players. I think Stroud will have a fine NFL career. And Will Anderson was maybe the best player in the draft, you know, all positions considered. Obviously, we're gonna talk quarterback, but they got their cornerstone on offense and defense. D'Amico Ryans was my favorite head coaching candidate this past hiring cycle coming over from San Francisco. And I mean, Houston is a team that they hope to get back on track following the Peyton Manning era. It was the Texans that really had a hold on this division. All the Deshaun Watson stuff happened. So they're kind of resetting themselves. Do you guys view Houston in a similar light that you view Indy? So here's the thing with Houston. I think Houston may be a little bit more ahead just because their rebuild's been going on for a little bit longer. Now, here's the other thing to think about. I love the D'Amico Ryan's hire just from a bring a guy back home, you know, a guy who played his career in Houston. Love it from that standpoint, but you know how I feel about defensive head coaches. Robert Sala was one of those guys that everyone was talking about as this great head coach. Well, if the Jets don't succeed this year, That is going to change how I feel about the D'Amico Ryan's hire. It it just is because, you know, it's going to further prove my own feelings. It's going to validate how I feel about defensive head coaches and that they just aren't able to succeed in the NFL because the only way you can keep an offensive mind, a good offensive mind, is to have him as your head coach because otherwise you're going to lose him because someone else is going to bring that guy on as their head coach. You can't have sustained success unless you have a Mahomes read, unless you have, you know, uh, like I, who else has that sustained success right now? They Nobody, because they don't have that. You know, Justin Herbert, who's his offensive coach? You know, you, these guys need these players. They need these head coaches. You know, they need a great offensive mind and, Houston just doesn't have that. And that's what worries me, you know, for CJ Stroud. I think he needs someone like that. Demico Ryan's was an interesting hire. The whole, you know, big wave right now is offensive coaches to hire a defensive guy. Kind of a change. Ben, you were saying you played his whole career there. You brought him home. I like the hire. I think he could be a really good defensive head coach. It's just going to be, you know, he's going to have a harder road ahead of him because he doesn't have that offensive background. But coming from Shanahan, the last defensive coach that kind of has worked out, you could argue is Robert Sala going into, you know, year three with the Jets. He didn't get fired after year two, which is pretty big in New York. So he's still there. Shanahan kind of teaches guys the offensive side of the ball, especially if they're defensive head coaches. So D'Amico Ryans is going to, you know, have an easier time, I think, than most DCs coming into that head coaching role, working with quarterbacks. But, you know, Stroud is an interesting guy because Ohio State quarterbacks have always struggled historically in the league. 
He was only there for a couple years. He balled out, but he never seemed like he was, at least to me, never seemed like an NFL caliber quarterback. But he can prove me wrong. I just thought he played a lot of cupcake teams. In that in that game against Georgia, he looked really good. Yeah, again, I'm a Big Ten fan, so I'm saying that, you know, (laughs) against myself. Saw him play against Rutgers, and that was... I'm going to say, if you're judging Stroud just off of Rutgers, that's not fair. (laughs) No, it's not. But uh, I don't know. I think the Colts might still be ahead because I think Anthony Richardson is a better quarterback than C.J. Stroud. I think he's a better prospect. I think he's further along in his development. But I think the Texans are going to be competitive. And if D'Amico Ryans can really get them going and get them to buy in, the Texans could be a pretty sneaky team for in a couple of years once they really build up and get things going. Yeah, so for this division, time to give our predictions here. I have Jacksonville at the top. I think that's where we're all going to go here. I got Jacksonville around 11 wins. After that, it's a big drop-off. I, I'm going to put the Colts in two, but with only seven wins, that's not saying much. I think Houston is a step behind at six, and I do have the Titans in that five to six range as well. I think they come in last. Yeah, I'm going with Jacksonville on top. I think they're right in that 10-win range. I think we're going to see Tennessee win eight games this year. I think they, if they're a better team than given credit for. I think that Vrabel's a great coach. I think that there's enough veterans there that are going to carry this team, and then another mediocre season is going to result to them blowing this thing up. Vrabel might survive it, but the roster really won't. Now, I'm going to have the Colts finish in third just because I like their roster a little bit more than the Texans. I like the offensive head coach more, but I think the Colts and Texans are both right around that five or six win mark. I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. Usually when you draft in the top five, you aren't the next year. All right. I mean, I think we all are in agreement. Jags, I have them around 11 wins. I think the Jags are by far the best team in the division. I got the Titans at two. Seven wins, uh, yeah, seven wins sounds about right to me. Ben, I agree with you about the veterans. I think they just have enough experience to push them over the edge. Third place with six wins, my bad, five wins. I have the Texans. Sorry, Ryan. And uh, I think just their youth infusion is going to carry them this year. And then I have the Colts in last with three. I think they're just, everything's going against them right now. I think that they're going to be, build really strong from this i think this is going to be a real big turning point in the franchise another high pick i don't think anthony richardson's going to be a problem but i do think he does struggle but the whole distraction from jonathan taylor the gambling players just steichen having to clean up some of that locker room stuff that was left behind by saturday i'm not going to blame frank reich for this i think it's just going to be too much for him in year one to take care of Marvin Harrison Jr., you are a cult, just like your daddy. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. We're going to be back okay. next week talking NFC East, so now I get to talk about the Giants here. Hopefully we're going to have Dylan and John back on here as well. Big NFC East roundtable. Join us then. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Mm-hmm.